0: well good stuff well hey we're gonna go ahead and jump into the word um in just a minute um i might say thank you like 10 more times randomly throughout my message because seriously i'm just so overwhelmed right now all right um So we're going to continue on with the sermon series. It's the fourth week um, of the sermon series. It is a six-part series, so we've got two more weeks left of this series, and uh, I'm just super excited about it. It's been a challenging, challenging series for me. It's been one that as I study it and just dive into God's Word, as Pastor Fred and I talk about it, and as we just dream about things and just, you know, what we're talking about and share, uh, as Juice was telling me about what he's talking about, it's just been one of those sermon series where it's just like, man, it's just... It's just been life-changing for me. To, to realize the importance of my words. My words absolutely make a huge difference in my day. It makes a difference in my relationship with Michelle. It makes a difference in my relationship with many of you as friends or as, as your pastor. It makes a difference when I'm in line at Chick-fil-A and talking to the person behind the register, how I treat them. It makes a difference in whether or not they do anything to my food or whether or not like, I get to encourage them Chick-fil-A doesn't do that because Chick-fil-A is holy, right? So that never happens. Hey, by the way, how many of you guys, how many of you guys, you got breakfast this week at McDonald's, like in the evening? Did you hear about this? McDonald's breakfast all day from now on. You can Get an Egg McMuffin at like eight o'clock at night. Come on, that is awesome. That is something to be excited about. Anyways, so, I mean, it makes a difference in people's life when you talk to them with positive words and encouraging words. And so that is what the sermon series has been about, is about our words, the importance of them. God's word has a lot to say about our words, what we speak and how we speak them and the impact that it has on us and the impact that it has on others and the impact that it has on our relationship with God. Our words absolutely matter. They literally can change our world. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 is the verse that we've been using. And it says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. This is from, quoted from Psalm chapter 34, where David was saying the same thing. And David's just talking about his life and looking at where he's at. And saying, listen, I'm telling you, God wants a good life for you. God wants you to know happiness. He wants you to know peace. God wants you to know joy. God wants you to experience his promises becoming realities. God wants you to know what it is to have a good life, a long life, a full life. And one of the ways that we can experience that, one of the most impactful ways that we can step into that is being careful about the words that we speak. Because they absolutely make a huge difference. In our very first week here at the Williamsburg campus, we talked about the fact that our words shape our perspective and our perspective determines our focus. What we spend our time thinking about, what we allow ourselves to do, how we think about situations, it is largely determined by the words that we speak. The difference in a lot of situations is, is how we address something in the words that we decide to use. The very first week we talked about, I have to. Instead of, saying, instead of saying, I have to in certain situations, we say, I get to. Because it changes you to be positive and to have a sense of gratitude and thankfulness. That when you say those things and you're mindful about walking through and you're like, I have to go to the dentist. Instead of you're saying, I get to go to the dentist. I live somewhere in a country where I can go to the dentist because I've got a jacked up tooth and I need some relief. Like, that is a good thing. There's many people in this world that do not have that. And when you have that sense of gratitude in all things, what it does is it moves your eyes from your stuff and it moves it to God's stuff. And when you're looking at what God is doing and what he is wanting to do in this world, it helps you to have a God-focused life. And when you have a God-focused life, then you are able to step in the things that God wants for you, and he helps you to live the full life that he has for you. And so tonight, we're going to keep talking about this and walking through this sermon series of Watch Your Mouth, and to do so, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Exodus chapter 3. We will have it on the screen for you as well. And if you have the Bible app, you can follow along with the sermon in the Bible app. You can just search for City Life Williamsburg and it is there. And you can follow along with tonight's notes and scripture verses. Let's pray real fast. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for giving us your life-giving, powerful word. Your word that instructs and guides. Father, thank you, Lord, Lord you've not left us on our own but God you've come into our world to help us to live life with us and God that you have given us your word to instruct and to encourage to shape and to build and so God we pray that your word do that tonight God we thank you for this beautiful fall weather and I thank you that the dolphins have a bye tomorrow which means we're not going to lose amen all right Exodus chapter 3 Exodus chapter 3. I went from being a super passionate, excited Dolphins fan. Everybody was saying we were going to be 6-0, and oh, and we're like one of the worst teams in the NFL. We've already fired our coach. I'm telling you, it's devastating being a Dolphins fan. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. That's understandable, isn't it? Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. How many of you would say the same thing? If you saw the bush burning but not being engulfed, you say, I have to go see that. How many of you would say that? How many of you would be like, no, nah, I'm going to keep on walking. No? All right, good stuff. We got a bunch of adventurous people tonight. All right. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Would you leave at that point? Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord turned, told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of the suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Then from verse 13 of chapter 3 all the way to verse 13 of chapter 4, Moses spends all of his time trying to convince God that he was the one that could not do this job. He went through and listed out all the reasons why it was impossible for him to be the person that God was telling him he needed to be. He was like, God, you picked the wrong person. You've gone the wrong direction. I'm just telling you right now, I can't do this. Have you ever found yourself there in that situation? Have you ever found yourself in the midst of something where something just seems so hard or so frustrating and so discouraging, you're just like, I can't do this anymore. Last week, I had this serious conversation with Michelle. I was like, I don't know if I can keep being a Dolphins fan. I can't keep handling this. And we actually talked about finding another team together. And then she suggested the Giants, and I just laughed. And I said, no, I'm going to stay with the Dolphins. But so you know, you go through, and you're just like, there's moments, whether it's joking ones or whether it's serious ones, where things in your life are happening, and it just seems overwhelming. And you get to this place, and you say, I just can't do it anymore. This is a battle that I have probably on a daily basis in our house with my son. This is something we talk about all the time because he says these words all the time. Son, brush your teeth. Dad, I can't. Makes no sense. He's got a toothbrush. He's got toothpaste. I'm just, I can't. Why? I, I, I don't know. I'm doing something. He's always, I can't. Finish your math homework. I can't figure it out. I can't. It's, just, it's like his default to say, I can't. And I know where he gets it from because he's my son. These, these words are massively important words that literally alter our life. That when we speak these words, we don't even realize what we're inviting into our life or what we're convincing ourselves to believe. How about maybe if you don't use these words, maybe you've been in this boat where people tell you that you can't. Maybe you haven't said it of yourself, but you've just heard it so many times. You can't do that. You can't go there. You can't be that. You can't. And people speak that to you and you hear those words on a regular basis. See, here's the problem with the word I can't, with the words I can't. When we're saying that, we're literally cutting our feet out from underneath of us. Because what we're doing is, is we're actually speaking and we're saying not just I can't, but we're saying I won't. I refuse to do that. I'm not going to do that. And so what we do is in our own life, when there's situations that actually need our attention, we need to give ourselves to them and we need to work really hard on them. We look at it and we say, I'm not gonna do anything about that. And so we choose to let it just be there because we say we can't do it. We don't have what it takes for us to do it. So we just walk away from it. And the problem is when we say we won't do something is, is you know what it happens? Is you don't do anything about it. So whenever you say, I can't, you're saying, I won't. And when you say, I won't, you're not going to. It's just the way it is. Or when somebody says to you, you can't do this. What you hear is, and what I hear is, is people speak to us and they say, you can't do that. What we begin to hear is, is people saying, you're not able to do that. And once we start to believe that we're not able to do something, then we're never even gonna step out and do what it is that we want to do, that we feel called to do, that we feel responsible to do because we're not able to do it. And so whether you use these words or these words are words that are spoken over you, they are words that absolutely affect us. Either way, in saying these or hearing these, these are things that actually program us that we will end up not doing what we're supposed to do. Like no matter what we're doing, when we hear the words or we say the words, we're actually programming our brain to not do the things that we're supposed to do, to not be a part of the things that we're supposed to be a part of. That is where we are. So tonight. If you're in a situation and you say, I can't do this anymore, I can't make this happen, I can't turn this around, I can't go to work on Monday morning, I can't, and you got all of the things that you could fill in on that spot, if that's where you are, then I just want to encourage you tonight and just believe that you can. Just believe that you can. It's going to make a huge difference. Walt Disney, you all know who Walt Disney is, right? You know, Walt Disney was turned down by over 100 banks when he tried to get funding to develop Disneyland, they all laughed at him and said it would never be successful. George Lucas himself, he actually spent four years shipping out scripts for Star Wars and everybody said the movie would be a flop. Vince Lombardi, he was told by an expert that he possesses minimal football knowledge and lacks motivation. Peter Jennings, Peter Jennings, I wrote this, it was, I, I saw this and it was just absolutely funny to me, and you'll see why here in just a second. Peter Jennings says, Remember Peter Jennings? He was a top TV news anchor man for a long time. Did you know, though, he was a Canadian? Like they put that in there, like it was like he had to overcome a lot. He was a Canadian. <laughs> Did you know he was a Canadian? But also, this, that he never finished high school and he was told that he couldn't do what he felt like he was supposed to do. All these people, they go through, we know their names, we know their situations, we know the things that they've done. They were people that were told, you can't. They were people that were told, you can't do this, you can't make this possible. But they said, no, I can, and I'm determined to, and I'm going to make this thing happen. The only problem, though, the only problem, the only problem with just saying, believe that you can, and it'll turn everything around is, is it is a futile effort. I I mean, if you ever stepped into something just like, you know what, I'm going to change my attitude, I'm going to turn my frown upside down, and I'm just going to say, I can do this. Have you ever done that? Just to find out that it's just not quite enough? Have you ever done that? You step into it, you're like, I can do this, and you say, I'm going to make this happen. I'm just going to do this. I'm going to turn things around. And you start working. And as hard as you work and as much as you do, it makes a little bit of a difference. But you just still can't quite get where you want to be. Each and every one of these persons, they said, you know what? No, I'm not going to hear no. I'm not going to hear I can't. But they didn't do this on their own, and it wasn't just them pulling up their bootstraps and going on and taking the world by themselves. There were a lot of circumstances and people that had to come into line for these things to become a reality. And the problem for us, and a lot of times what we hear from the Scripture and hear from the Gospel is, is just believe, just turn around. It's like, you can, and you're going to be able to do it. But then the problem gets into is that we try. We think that we can, and all of a sudden, we can't again. And it just seems futile, it seems like it's just one thing after another that keeps us from doing the things that we're supposed to do, the things that we dream about doing, the things that we feel like we're called to do, all of these things that are in front of us, and the problem is this, is that we look at our situations as an end in themselves. We look at the things that we're doing, whether it's our careers, or our relationships, or our hobbies, our families, we look at those things as a means of an end in themselves. We look at them as accomplishments. We look at them as if I could just get this done. But the problem is, is those things are never just going to get done, especially when it's dealing with relationships and family members, right? But we go into it and we just think, man, if I could just get this, if I could just get there, if I could just get there, and we're all just, I can do this, I can do this, and we start manipulating this thing, and we start changing this thing and start doing these things. And what happens is, is we just find ourselves in this place where we're trying to make the best of what we can. But here's the deal. See, God asks us this question in First Peter: Do you want to know? Do you want to experience a long and happy life? The words that's actually used there in First Peter is: Do you desire? And the word desire is, there, is that: Do you understand that God desires for you to have a good life, to have a full life? And we, we sense this and we just like, man, I want to have a full life. I want to know a full life. I want to walk in this fullness. I just want to be happy that God is with me and that I'm with him and I don't want to have any troubles and I don't want to have any harm and I want to know peace and I want to no joy and I just want everything to be great and I want my bank account to be full and I want my relationship account to be full and I want the hairs on my head to be full. I want all of these things and, and they're just not there and I, I'm trying to do everything I can and it just doesn't seem like it's enough So I'm going to make the best of what's in front of me. Here's where the dilemma comes, especially for us as followers of Jesus Christ, is that God does not just come in and make the best of our situations. God comes in and he makes all things new. That's who God is. He doesn't just come in and say, oh, let's do this. And let's kind of, I see your plans kind of crumble there a little bit. Let's kind of make the best of what we can. No, God comes in and says, I want to make all things new. I want to make you new. I want to make your outlook on life new. I want to make your perspective on things new. I want to make your relationships new. I want to make everything about you and everything you're doing and everything you are experiencing. I want it to be new. Because he doesn't just sweep in and pick up the pieces After everything falls apart, he is always working, even in our disappointments and especially in our weaknesses, especially in our weaknesses, using them for a greater purpose. So we don't just go around and just say, let me pick up myself and dust off my jeans and I'm going to make the best of what I can. What God wants us to do and what we need to do in this life is to stop saying the words, I can't. We need to stop walking around saying, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to try. I don't even know if this can happen. I won't do that. I'm not going there. We need to have a different perspective. We need to allow God to come in and to do something in our situations. Even in the worst of situations, the worst of moments, that we look and we say, you know what? This situation is horrible, but I can do this. I can trust that God is working all things for my good. I can trust that God is working all things out for my good. We see that in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. See, here in this situation, and we look at the story of Moses. Moses, the time we just saw him talking to this burning bush, he was 80 years old. Now, I don't know about you, but you think about an 80-year-old person talking to a burning bush, it kind of makes a little bit more sense, doesn't it? Remember my grandfather in moments like that. Way off point. Jamie, get back to it. So he's 80 years old, and he's talking to this burning bush. See, what's happening in Moses' life at this point is is that God starts speaking to Moses, and he says, Moses, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to pull the Israelites out of their harm. I hear what's going on in their lives, and I want them out, and I want you to be the one to lead them. See, the problem is, is that Moses hears God say this, and Moses says, hey, yeah, I'm not the guy. You know why? When I was 40 years old, Like, I was Pharaoh's son, and I saw all the stuff that was going on with the Hebrews, and, you know, I is one myself, and and I got a little bit, like, enraged and upset that things were happening, the oppression was there, so I tried to do something. See, Moses, when he was 40 years old, he went out and saw this Hebrew getting beat by the Egyptians. And so he went out and actually killed an Egyptian, thought he was doing something. And what happens is, is Pharaoh says, I'm going to kill you now. And all of the Hebrews are like, who do you think you are? And Moses, who was a child of Pharaoh who had everything he would want, thought he was doing what was right and ended up running for his life and spending 40 more years in a foreign land. Moses was like, I've been there. I've done that. I can't do that again. Like, I can't go there again, God. Like, you don't know what that was like for me. I've tried that and I failed. I went there and got the postcard and threw the postcard away. I'm not going back there again. I can't do it, God. I'm not going to try it. See, God was saying, I want you to do it. And all that Moses could see was his failures. God was saying, Moses, you're going to be the guy that's going to do this. And all that Moses could see was, was every reason as to why he couldn't do it because he had tried before and he failed in the past. So absolutely, it's got to be sure I'm going to fail again. I can't do it. God is going to cost me too much. I got a family now. I got kids now. This is a totally different situation. I'm 80 years old. I can't do this. I'm the wrong person. Not only all of that, God, but I've got these issues. I mean, have you thought about the way that I talk? Have you thought about this? And have you thought about that? He starts going through this litany of a list of all the reasons as to why he can't. Instead of looking at his situation a little bit differently. See, in verse 12, God says to him, I'm going to give you a promise. I'm going to give you a promise. And this word promise here, it's actually a promise from God. It was a guarantee, if you will. Moses, I'm giving you a promise right now. I'm going to give you a promise that if you do this, that mountain right there where we worship, that mountain right there, you will have all of the Israelites there worshiping me again. I'm going to give you a promise that this is going to be successful, that this is going to work, that this is going to change, that things are going to be what I said they're going to be. And Moses has to go through this laundry list of reasons as to why he can't do this and why he can't accomplish these things and why he's not the one to do it because he's going through and it's like, God, really? When it comes down to it, I failed. I'm not going to try this again, and I don't know if I can trust you. I don't know if I can trust that situation. I don't know if this thing can really turn around. I don't know if it's possible. God, I I look at this thing and there's what reason is there for hope? What reason is there for me to feel and sense and believe that there can be success? I mean, have you looked at me? Have you seen the things that I've done? Have you seen the areas that I've failed? Have you seen all of the issues that I had? I can't do this. I'm not fit for this job. God's speaking to Moses where he's at. He doesn't speak to what Moses said, but he speaks to Moses' intention. Moses' intention wasn't just saying, it's not possible, you need to go else. He said, me, look at me. I can't do it. Look at me. I'm imperfect. I'm unfit. And God says, I'm giving you a promise that I'm not speaking to the wrong person. I'm not speaking some hypothetical situation. This is a guaranteed, absolutely gonna happen and I see all of your mess, and I see all of your issues, and I'm telling you, in spite of all of those things, it's going to work. You're going to be successful. I guarantee it. You and all of the Israelites, you're going to be in this place worshiping me. Moses, it's going to work. Moses, I'm telling you, this is going to happen. Moses, you can hold on to this promise. You can take it to the bank. Moses, listen to what I'm saying. Don't look at your failures. Don't look at your insecurities. Don't look at where you are messed up or where you have messed up in the past. Look not at your weaknesses, but look at the fact that in your weaknesses, I can do the impossible. Paul says this in scripture. He says, hey, he says, hey, he's talking to God and he's like, God, I got this issue. I need you to get it out of my life. I need this thing gone because it's just messing with me. It's just making me weak and it's making me have issues. And God says, no, I'm not taking it away from you because my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weaknesses. See, God, in our situation, we find ourselves in these places where things seem difficult and they seem overwhelming. We feel God pulling our hearts, leading us to do something or go somewhere. I can't do that. Because we start looking at ourselves. We start looking at our failures and where our failures have now gotten us. We look at all of these situations and we look at what we can accomplish instead of what God is accomplishing and what God promises he's going to accomplish. See, we look at ourselves and God is saying, no, look at me. Moses Yeah, you had the right intention when you were 40 years old, but you didn't have the right knowledge, you didn't have the right heart, you didn't have the right attitude. Moses, these last 40 years, they have been for your good. Moses, you have an awesome family. You have a great wife. If you read on in the story, his wife fights for him and does what is right and encourages him in his journey. Moses, I've given you a great wife. Moses, I've given you a son. Moses, in this 40 years, you've learned patience. You've learned temperament. Moses, in these 40 years, you've learned things that you could not learn otherwise. I'm doing this for your good. Your character has been shaped through the situation. Your destiny has been shaped through the situation. Moses, you can do this. And I promise you, it's going to be successful. See, Moses is in this situation, and he's developed all of these things. He's a new person, and he sees that he's been shaped and changed. He's standing there talking to a burning bush, right? He's talking to a burning bush, and it's God, like talking to God in a burning bush. Moses has experienced some great things. Moses is now being called. Moses has all these miracles begin to happen where he throws down his rod and it turns into a snake. He took his hand and puts it in his cloak and his hand changes and crazy stuff starts. I mean, God does all of these things. Moses begins to see that God has always been and currently is and will always be active in working out things for his good in his life. Moses is good. Moses, I got you. Moses, this is going to work out. And for you and I, when we see God active in our lives, we need to be reminded that he has something that we can do. That he has something that we can do. Moses, you can go and lead the people out of Israel and nobody else can. This is for you to do. This is my challenge for you. This is my opportunity for you. You can do this. See, Moses, he tried and he believed he was doing the right thing when he's 40 and he found himself in a mess because he was trying to do everything on his own. You and I, we fall in the same situation, but those moments are good ones because it helps us to remember and to be reminded that God never intended for us to go and take on the world on our own. God never wanted us to go out and just do things on our own and just try to make something happen and force things, pick up ourselves by our bootstraps and say, I'm going to make something happen. God wants us to look to him, to trust in him, to see his activity in our lives. And when he says, go, we go. And where he says to go, we go. And when he says to do it, we do it. And we trust God and we look to God and we hope in God and we see that there's things that he has for us to do because he's called us to do it. And whether it's raising our crazy, unruly children and it's like, I can't do this today. I cannot be the parent that they need me to be. No, you can be the person and the parent that your children need you to be. I can't keep going on in this job. I just can't keep doing it. I'm tired of working here. I get beat up and discouraged every day. I, I mean, just listening to the way they talk. And I work at a church. Just kidding. Seeing if you're awake. But you know what I'm saying? You go through and you're just like, man, I, I got all these situations and I got all these issues. I mean, just my, my work, I can't do it. I can't spend another day in this marriage. I can't spend another day in this town. And we got our whole list of what we can't do and what we can't do. I don't know how I'm gonna do this. We stop and we look and see where is God active in our lives now. And when we see that God is active and we see that God is present in our lives, then we say, God, there is something you have for me to do. And what you have given me to do is what I can do. And I'm gonna do this today. Because it's not on me, it's on you. And it's on me having faith and trust in you. And when I have faith and trust in you, God, you can do what is needed to be done. It's not on myself. It's not what I can handle. God, it's what I am aware of that I can't handle and that I take those things and give them to you. There are things that you can't do. See, I, I, I want to be careful on this because we could take a little bit further and we walk around and just be like, oh, can't say I can't, can't, you know? And I, I'm partly doing this because people call me on this stuff when I'm preaching and I don't want this to happen. So, but no, <laughs> so there's things that you can't do, right? I'll never be able to run. I just cannot run a 4.340, right? I mean, this is not going to happen, right? I'm not going to be able to run a 40-yard dash in 4.3 seconds. I'm not going to be able to do it. I cannot do it. Some of you play on the softball team. You saw me run all four bases, and you know that I cannot do that. It is not within the confounds of who I am and what I'm going to do. It's not going to happen. There are some things that you can't do, but it's not because of a weakness. It's not because of an insecurity or, 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 or some kind of a shortcoming. The reason that sometimes you can't do things is because it's not for you to do. It's not yours to do. And so sometimes we try to take on stuff, and we try to make it ours, and it's not yours to do. Don't try to be the person that God wants somebody else to be. I can't be Michelle, and Michelle can't be me, but us together in our marriage, in our life together, we could be who God wants us to be. I can't want Michelle to be me, because that'd be weird, and it'd be a really jacked up marriage. (laughs) Right? We are who we are, and God has called us to do what we can do. And he has for each and every one of us things that he wants us to do. You've got to understand that sometimes there's things that are not yours to do. You also, there's going to be times that you can't handle things or can't do something because you have chosen something other than what God wants for you. Right? Right? You, you want to go, you want to, I'm supposed to go on this missions trip or I, maybe, I, I've talked to people, I'm, I'm t- 13 years in ministry now, I, I've talked to all kinds of people, dreams from 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Now, I, I, God woke me up one night and I was supposed to go and I was supposed to start this business. I just had this whole dream and I got a whole plans. So I can get you the file right now. I'm telling you, I, I can get you the file right now and show you all the things that God wanted me to do. But they walked away from it because they chose something other than that dream. That you have something other than that situation. We, we, we get into a place where, oh, I need that. Instead of saying, I'm satisfied with what I have. And so we get ourselves into a place where we're overwhelmed with debt. And because we're so deep in debt, we can't be free to do anything else. We get into a place where we are with our wants. that Our wants are just out of control that it builds up our debt. Our pride, we get to a place because of our pride or because of our feelings and we say, I can't do this or I want to do this. We start taking things on that aren't ours because of our pride, because of our feelings. And so all of a sudden we get to this place where we're just overwhelmed. We're just, just deep in it. And you're just like, I, I literally can't do anything. I literally can't. I can't even move. I'm so weighed down. I can't even do this. Another way you can find yourself in a situation where you can't do something is because God is wanting you to see what you can't do so you can see that much more clearly what he wants to do. Sometimes he puts you in situations that you literally just can't do anything. You literally are overwhelmed. Sometimes I hear people say, oh, God's not gonna give me more than I can handle. That's not in scripture, just so you know. God's not gonna give you something that's gonna tempt you. It's gonna take you further in the sense of sin and things that you can't handle. God is gonna keep you there. But when it comes to situations and circumstances, there's gonna be moments where you find yourself and you just like, I can't do this anymore. Why? Because God wants you in the depth of your soul to stop fighting for yourself. He wants you deep within to stop being your own savior. And he wants you to look and say, I can't do this. I need you. I need you. I can't do this on my own, God. I need you. You can do this, but I can't. And sometimes he lets us get to these places so that we see that we cannot do it that we can't accomplish these things because that is where we need to be to see him. Because we cannot be our own savior. We cannot on our own make ourselves right with God. In Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 it says you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Listen, we get ourselves into a place where we can't because we're overwhelmed. We can't because we're so in debt. We can't because we're so in bondage. We can't because we're just overwhelmed and there's just too much going on. Or we're in a good place, but we don't see it as a good place. And God has us there in that moment. And God has us looking at our stuff. And he has us looking at our situation. And we're just looking at, God, I can't do this. I can't make it. And he says, good, finally, you're seeing it. Now here's what we can do together. Listen, because the Christian... The follower of Jesus is one that is free, free to do the things that God has called you to do. God wants you to live a long life and a happy life, not just walking around with a full bank account. He wants you to walk around knowing that he is with you, that he's present with you, that there is nothing that is too hard for you. There is nothing that can destroy you. There is nothing that can take your hope. There is nothing that can take your joy. You are good because you are his and he is good. That's where he wants you. That's the place he wants you to be. When you look at the scripture and you see what he is speaking to us, you see that Christ has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. He has given us a spiritual life. And so you know what that means for you? Is that you cannot live a small and mundane life. He's given you spiritual life. He's given you eternal life. He's given you heavenly life. So you know what you can't do in Jesus is live a small life. Good stuff. I mean, do you believe that? Do you see that? Come on, I'm just telling you, man, in my life, I can't keep those on because they keep falling off. I'm telling you, in my life, the moments when I say you can, and the moments that I say that I can't, and I realize that it's not because of my limitations, or it's not because that I've got myself in something stupid, but I've got it. I'm just literally, I can't do this. I can't make this happen. God, I'm trying to be the best dad that I can be. I'm trying to be the best husband that I can be. I'm trying to be the best pastor I can be. I'm doing everything. I'm trying as hard as I can, and I can't get where I want to be. It's just God is pressing in on me, and he's saying, you can't do it. That is right, you can't do it. You're gonna fall. You're gonna burn yourself out. But if you look to me and you hope to me, you trust in me, I'm telling you, I have a promise for you. That dream that's on the inside, that thing that's on your heart that's pulling on you, where you want to be, what what you want your kids to be, what you want the church to look like. Those things are for me, and they can't happen on your shoulders. But they already happened on mine, and I'm going to make this happen, so let's do this thing together. You're finally not looking at yourself anymore. You're finally stopping to think that you can accomplish it. You can't, but I can. And it keeps me from living this small, mundane life where I'm just going through doing the things that I can do. I don't know about you, but I don't want to do the things I can do. I don't want to do the things I can do on my own. I want to do the things that I can do through Christ and in Christ. That's what I want to do. That's the full life that I want. That's what I want to experience. I want to walk around in this life. I want to see God doing the miraculous on a regular basis. I don't want to hear about somebody else doing it. I want to see it happen in my life. I want to have divine moments where God does something profound in my life. I want to see situations change in other people's life because we come together in prayer. I want to see people's hope and life radically change. I want to see marriage change because they've given their life to Christ. That's what I want to see, but I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own, but I can do those things through Christ And I can do them because he strengthened me to do them. He's accomplished these things on the cross. He's given me the opportunity. He's given me the life to do it. He's forgiven me of my sins. I cannot outlive his grace and mercy. He's abolished all the rules that says that I can't do these things. These things that I can't fulfill. The laws that were set up. All the things that will always keep me falling short. He's already abolished them. He's accomplished them. He's fulfilled them. I can't thank him enough. I can't fail too big. I can't outlive his grace. And lastly, he's triumphed over all of our enemies. So you know what that means? Is that you can't live with fear and worry. I love this verse because it says that Jesus publicly, publicly humiliated his enemy. I love that. Like he called him out in public. Like, look at these guys. They're trying. They're working so hard. Look at these guys. I just beat them all. They can't do anything. So he's looking at us and he's like, listen, you can do what I've called you to do. You can. I promise you, you can do it. Look to me. Have hope in me. Have faith in me. Believe in me. You can. There are things that you can't do. And it's because those are the things that aren't for you to do. And there's things that you can't do, because in those things you'll see that it's not you that can accomplish them, but it's me. And once you see that your weaknesses are where I'm made strong, then you're gonna be able to run. You're gonna be able to do these things. You're gonna be able to go out and do all the things that I've called you to do. So my question for you is, my question for you is, is what are you called to do? What do you wanna do? What's the life that you wanna live? What's the legacy that you wanna live? and leave on this world? How do you want to be remembered? Being super cheesy, what do you want written on your tombstone? Which was a great Western movie. Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to be remembered for? Like, ask yourself that and think about it. I don't know many of us that say, I just want to live small, pay some bills, and die. Uh, it's not me. And I, I met many people that are honest about that and would say, yeah, that's what I want to do. We've got dreams. Maybe you're in a place where you've outlived your hope and you're like, man, one day I did have dreams, but now I can't. God makes all things new. And his message for you tonight is, is that when you believe in him, you can. You are free to, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to not just know of, but to experience, to taste, to feel, to grasp, to waller in eternal life. I just said waller. That's awesome. But just to roll around in it, just to embrace eternal life, that is what he says you can do, is that you can have this happy, long, amazing, fulfilling life. You can have this glorious life that God wants you to live. You can wake up every day saying, today God's going to do something awesome. Today something miraculous is going to happen. Today is going to be the best day that I've ever lived. That's where God wants you. That's what he wants you to experience. Does that mean you're going to be happy every day? Heck no. Does it mean that everything's going to be perfect every day? No. Are you going to get rear-ended on 64 one day? I hope not, but probably bunch of crazies on that road. You're not going to be without situations. You're not going to be without trials. But you can be free to know that even in the midst of those things, you can live the life that God wants you to live. That you can be the person that God wants you to be. And you can do it because he is with you. See, the problem, the problem is that what we can't do, it's what we're willing to commit to. A lot of us, we've got dreams. A lot of us, we've got ideas of the things that we can't do. The things we can't accomplish in those things. The, the things that are just, they're just dreams are lofty because it's never going to happen. But deep down, I hope there's something. And maybe if there's not, maybe in a few moments, God will plant a seed in your heart where there is just at least the faintest of a dream, a faintest of a hope, that one day you say, man, I just want to do this. This There's something that God bursts in you and he puts in you and says, you can do this thing. Moses was herding sheep and just out there tending to flocks in the desert as an 80-year-old who had fled from riches and from the kingdom. he's just walking around, just managing his days, waiting to die. And God comes to him and says, I got something I want you to do. At any moment, in any situation, your failures are not big enough. Your insecurities, your shortcomings, they are not too great. God has something he wants you to do. It's why you're here. It's why you're on this planet. It's why you're sucking oxygen right now. It's because God has something he wants you to do. He wants you to know that he is present and that he's with you, and he wants you to live the life that he wants you to do, but it's oftentimes us looking at it and saying, I can't, i.e., I won't. I won't commit to that. That's going to cost me a lot. That's going to take a lot. That's going to be really hard. I'm going to have to do some things that people are going to laugh at me about. You know what people are going to say if I did that? Yeah, I do. When you do more and more of those things, you know what people are going to begin to say? what is up with that person? What is going on in that person's life? I want some of that. That's what God wants us here for, is to bring glory to him in everything that we do, that we live our lives full on and just excited and passionate about life. And if you're here tonight and you're like, I'm just not there and I don't think that's possible, I'm telling you, it is. I'm telling you, you can know the goodness of who God is. You can taste it. You literally can experience it. You can walk in God's goodness and know that he's there with you. All through this, you go back and you read Exodus chapter 3 and Exodus chapter 4. I started counting. It was somewhere around 9, 10, 11 times. Maybe I got a little bit liberal with it. Who knows? Whatever. But the biggest thing that God says to Moses every single time through this whole thing is, I will be with you. I'll be with you. You go there and tell them that. I'm going to be with you guys there. You go and do this, I will be with you. You go there and say that, I will be with you. Do you want to live a full life? Do you desire a happy life, a long life, knowing that God is with you, knowing that God is present? Do you long for that? Do you desire for that? You can't live that life when you only talk about the things that you can't do. As the worship team comes up, We're gonna conclude tonight just taking some time just to sing a couple songs and just to worship. And what I want us to do in this moment is, is I want us to look, look in our lives, look in our hearts, be willing and be vulnerable for God to speak to us. Say, God, what are the things that you want me to do? What are the things that I can do? Even right now, even tonight, as I leave this service, as I get in my car, as I go to my house, as I go to a restaurant, what are the things that I can do right now that draw me closer to you? What are the things that I can do right now that pull me deeper into the life that you want me to live and you want me to know? What are the things that I can do that helps me to see and experience you? God, what are the things that I can do to help me to know that you are here with me? Because God, I can't go one more day without you. I can't do it anymore. I need you. I want to feel your touch and I need to know that you are here with me. Tonight, I want you to come to this altar as we sing. It is open. Nothing crazy is gonna happen. Terrence isn't gonna come throwing oil on anybody or doing anything. This is just a sacred space for us to be able just to sit, to stand, to worship, because here's one thing you can do to start this whole process. is to take a step of faith in the direction that God wants you to go. And where God wants you to be is wherever He is. Now, am I saying that God's here and He's not there? I'm not, because that would be crazy. But this is just a symbol. This is a, 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 a situation for me to say, God, I, in my heart, God, I can't keep doing this. God, I can't keep living small. I can't keep living this mundane life. I can't keep going this way. I can't keep having the arguments that I'm having. God, I just can't do this anymore. Come up here and lift your hands in worship and say, God, I'm weak. I'm messed up. I'm jacked up. I've got issues. But God, where I am weak, you can be strong. And even in my weaknesses, you can turn it for good. God, I need you. If you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know what to do with my life. I have no sense of calling or purpose. I'm okay with a paycheck, having some fun, and rooting for a football team that actually wins. I'm okay with that. Man, come up here and ask God to give you more. Come up here and say, God, put a seed in my heart. Start a fire right now that will never burn out. One, that when I come and I stand in front of you, you speak to me and you call me and you lead me and you direct me. Because I can't live another day for me. God, I want to live every day for you. I want to know the fullness that you have for me. So let's come up here. Let's take some time to sing. Let's take some time to worship. Let's take some time. Can you get my table? Take some time to worship. Take some time to pray. If you need somebody to pray for you, I'll be up front. Michelle's up here with me. Terrence is up here. If you need somebody to pray for you, let's pray. But let's take some time to worship. Because I'm just telling you this, church. I can't leave this place tonight without encountering His presence. I can't leave this place tonight without you, without someone in this place walking away knowing that God is the one that made the difference in their life. So if you will, join me. Stand up. Let's come. Let's sing, let's worship, let's lift our voices to God, let's believe in faith.